What is going on, everybody? We're doing the thing again. Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts, giving it more visibility on the national and international level, and uh, just helping strangers find this thing and a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to leave those reviews and uh, stoked that you are here for another episode, episode 211. Coming at you, return guest on the podcast today, Isabeau Waiu Walker. Uh, stoked to share this chat that I had with Isabeau in celebration of her releasing her debut EP, Better Metric, which you can find on April 26th on all the streaming services. And uh, we'll be featuring a few tracks off that record during this episode. So I am, uh, I'm excited to get into that. I had the, the pleasure of getting to write an article on Isabeau and her, uh, her new record for Vortex Music Magazine out of Portland, Oregon, who has uh, been a, a big supporter of the, the podcast and uh, appreciate the hell out of them so much. And uh, I was stoked that they were, uh, they were down to let me write a feature on Isabeau and um, pretty excited about the way that came out. So I'll put the links in the uh, episode notes for that if you want to if you want to read that also i urge you to uh maybe check out vortex music magazine and uh, think about subscribing they only release four physical magazines every year they do a quarterly release and uh the new one will be out in may and if you want to have that hit your doorstep at your mailbox and uh see this story or this article, rather, that I wrote on Isabeau, you can do that as it's uh, it's coming out in this next magazine. So so check that out. It's a killer, uh, it's a killer magazine. And um, while they're not uh, releasing the, the physical magazines, they are updating their website daily with new, uh, with new content there, premieres of songs and videos and uh, photos from concerts and and things of that nature. So that is all there and uh, super appreciative of those folks. So subscribe to Vortex. Um, man, Isabeau came on this podcast pretty early on. First 50 episodes for sure, I believe. Um, it was back when we were doing a lot of studio sessions at Mountain Air Studios. So you can find 
her uh, her in studio performances of her playing some uh, some solo jams on the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel. Those are some of my favorite videos that we got out of all those sessions, and and definitely a memorable episode for me. Um, definitely check those videos out because those are songs that are not featured on Isabeau's new record. So those are uh, some some different tunes. Where do we go from here? One of my favorite songs that's ever been played on the Dan Cable Presents podcast. So definitely encourage you to uh, to check those videos out, especially if you got some uh, some free time right now during the uh, during the quarantine. Hopefully we get uh, things back in action here soon. But uh, yeah, other than that. Stay tuned for more of the the I Dig Records volumes to be coming out in this feed. The first one is available. The uh, the reboot of the podcast I'm doing with my cousin, I Dig Records with Rob Bobby Grooves Grantfelt. We just go through a couple records each episode and uh, play the records in the background, reference some of the tracks, and and uh, just have a little discussion. So uh, volume one is available. We did. Uh, a young Jesus album and we did a cockatoo twins record that was super fun and uh, volume two coming at you next Wednesday we're talking Raylan Baxter and we're talking knowledge and uh, because we are diving into those records we also end up talking Meek Mill and and Mac Miller so I'm excited to uh, to keep sharing those with you and um if you get down with some some hippy dippy theological psychedelic talk, then you can check out my other podcast called Bible Buds that I do with Andrew Harrison, where we uh, we get real baked and we talk about the Bible and uh, just have a little Bible study from the, a non Christian perspective and uh, just talk about some mystical shit, I guess. So it's it's uh, it's getting wild and we've been having some guests on and that's been been a lot of fun. So look for that as well. I'll put the uh, link in the episode notes if that sounds like something you would uh, you would enjoy checking out. And uh, that's it. We got episode 211 coming at you. Uh, so much fun to catch up with Isabeau. We did this chat maybe a month and a half ago, I guess right before this quarantine thing started. And we did it at the Oregon City Public Library in this cool little conference room. And uh, I met Isabel, I guess, maybe four years ago or so. Is that right? I don't know. Maybe three. I guess it was after I'd started doing this. A few years ago, I met Isabel at, uh, at Feckin' Brewing in uh, Oregon City. And we talk about that spot on the podcast. But I met her there. We, uh, we were both there to play some tunes and, uh, I had no idea who she was. And as soon as she started playing, I was very in on what she was doing. And, uh, I just think that she has this, uh, this thing that reminds me of, uh, all these other singer songwriters that, uh, that speak to me pretty heavy and, uh, people like Noah Gunderson and Phoebe Bridgers. She gives me, uh, she gives me those vibes when she's playing. So uh, she's also an unreal human being. She's probably one of the nicest people that I have uh, had the pleasure of, of crossing paths here in Portland, Oregon, since I moved here seven years ago or so. And uh, stoked to uh, have kept in contact with Isabel and kept an eye on what she's 
been doing the last few years and I'm, I'm just really excited that she is uh she's releasing this music into the world because it definitely deserves to be heard and ryan oxford uh who produced and engineered and played a bit on this record you did such a an amazing job of uh capturing the uh the energy of what isabeau does so i'm uh i'm pleased to uh to share this conversation with you uh, i can't say enough great things about this woman and uh and the music that she is making and uh i encourage the fuck out of you to uh to save this on your streaming services or or uh add it to your library on april 26th when it hits the streaming services this sunday and then may 9th um isabel's doing her album release show via the interwebs because of uh this quarantine madness so that's that is a happening like i said all the links i will put in the uh the episode notes so you can uh keep up with isabel if you if you dig what you hear and uh i will put the vortex music magazine links there as well don't forget to check out i dig records and those itunes reviews cannot stress the importance of the itunes reviews enough and we're gonna get in to episode 211 hope y'all are doing well out there stay insane isabo Wayu walker and we're gonna kick it off with the title track off her brand new ep it's called better metric mountain air mike dc let's do the damn thing Yeah. 
Probably stare at this at this painfully large TV. It's a pretty big TV for what the, if we just rented space. it to watch movies? Right? I was thinking about that. <laughs> I'm like, what are people using this room for? I think Netflix and conversations. I creeped on a couple people just to see what because they have Wi Fi here, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're pretty set with it. Like, this <laughs> is a, a good setup. And I don't know what this I mean, if you want to make tea, um, as long as you well, have lids. Oh, Very all important. cups must be covered with a lid. <laughs> Always and make sure no you have food. a lid. Oh, did I mention your cup should be covered with a lid? <laughs> <sighs> I was like, yes, I read that online. I did research before I came here. I am very impressed with this idea still, though. And yeah? I, will, I will be looking Good. into library spaces. Free. That's what I'm saying. I'm we not... should use the library more. Yes. I also don't know if they would know what to do if more people use the library more because <laughs> they spent so much money renovating this, but I get the sense that some of them feel uncomfortable when droves of people are in here. And you're like, but that that is what you built it for. (laughs) Tyson's theory is that the librarians just wanted offices. (laughs) (laughs) Because look at the teen room behind you. Look at all those teens. None. Zero teens. Zero teens. And all the tables say teens only. Um, I can't say that I was (laughs) spending too much time in the library (laughs) after school at any age. Well, when I was younger, we did because it was free. Right. But then my family, lots of kids, we've racked up bills on all of our cards. So once my older sister had too many library fines, my mom would open one under (laughs) each new kid. I don't think I can borrow anything back home. Seriously, they still have a fine and I think it's accruing interest. So I never rent anything at the Kahului Library. I don't remember the last time I've been to any library. Well, welcome. It's been a while, so. It's sanitized. (laughs) It looks very clean, right? Or just plain. It's not clean. It's just plain. It's just plain. It's similar. <laughs> plain and sanitized. It could be both. Oh, wait. I just said two of the same words. Clean and sanitized are the same. Clean and plain. Clean and plain. That's what I meant. 
Yeah, sorry. Good. I got off track. <laughs> um, so it's been a hot minute since we, uh, we have done one of these things. I didn't have bangs. You did not have bangs. Right. Uh, um, and we were doing this in, in a studio. You played some songs. Mm-hmm. Still one of my favorite sessions we did out of all those mountain air ones. That's Yours very is generous up there. of you. Yours is up there for me. Um, How many episodes have you done so far? Um, like 205 So I'm in the five t- top now. 200. <laughs> yeah, you're in the top 200. <laughs> no, though, wh- where do we go from here, Jam? It's one of my favorite videos out of all of the, all of the sessions, for sure. That is amazing. Kind of mind-boggling, but <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but that was, yeah, that was, I don't know. I think you were like in the, in the 60s of episodes. Ooh. Somewhere in that range. That is Seems like, about right. That feels very OG. It was a while ago. To be that early. Yeah. You were just kind of dipping your feet in, I feel like, at that point. Was I You were just kind of playing shows. Yeah. I'd done the open mic. Oh, did I meet you at an open mic? That's where I met you. Oh, my gosh. Out here at the (laughs) feckin'. The feckin'. It was so cold. The feckin'. It was so cold. I I could see my breath. I remember everybody considering buying feckin' sweatshirts (laughs) that night. Nobody expected it. That's a good plan on their part. To be that cold in there. It was a freezing cold open mic. It was very cold. How did you get out there? How did I? I I drove my car. Oh, I mean, (laughs) sorry. That was a dumb (laughs) question. You're an ass. No, that um, was a shitty Shane. response, actually. But yeah, Shane Brown. <laughs> Shane Brown. Shane Brown brought a lot of people out that night. That's amazing. And a lot of people that I did not know about, including yourself. Yeah, I just started doing more open mics. Had gone to a lot of really odd ones. Repeatedly, too. I can't even be like, oh, I went to an odd one, then decided otherwise. I'd be like, I'm going to go back through it four more times. Yeah, for sure. And just get a feel. And every time I'd be like, yeah, that's uncomfortable <laughs> but i think the feckin was maybe twice because i was so cold i only went that once i think i went one more time with shane and then decided even though it was the closest one to me it was just too cold too cold <laughs> and i never really felt like it's a good summer open the oregon city community didn't really know what to do with me i mean no one really knew what to do with my songs but specifically besides shane who's awesome very kind. Yeah. There was definitely like a, hmm, <laughs> her songs be sad. <laughs> yeah. This isn't the music I want to listen to at this brewery. Nope. Not nope. while I'm throwing axes out here Exactly. In the I'm like, this is a clash, but <laughs> I tried it. I gave it a couple times. I think those are uh, good rooms to have to do that yes. sometimes, right? Yes. To like have to put yourself out there in, in, a, in a space where people aren't as uh, welcoming to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the whole goal of the open mics was to learn how to sing for strangers, including you. <laughs> and then like hope that a few of them would be like, this is worth hearing more. So it was worth it. It was a weird time, but it was worth <laughs> it. Um, also, at that time, you were doing the teaching thing. Yeah. I don't know if I was if I'd gone part time yet. I think so. I think I just transitioned Maybe, to part time. Yeah. So. That means I had left the middle school and I was going back to the high school and it was this experiment of kind of like what we were talking about earlier with you rearranging hours at work, just trying to see if there was a new formula of work time that would be perfect. Like I kept thinking if I tweak just something else that I could find a way to be great at everything. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I really felt like that was possible. <laughs> 
Did you <laughs> achieve that? You must have achieved that in some way, though, to propel yeah. yourself to to this stage of kind of breaking free of part-time work and yeah. kind of shifting into like full-time musician. I hope that, well, maybe great. I feel a little, I think that might be too generous for me because I have, I hold that word a little high, but uh, things went well. And during that time at the high school, I spent three more years after the middle school in a part-time position. And it was just enough time to kind of flex new strengths as a teacher, confirm that I really loved kids and that it, I meant to be there. And then I tried out all these different like schedules and trying to create schedules for creating and for collaborating and then for traveling for music. And I think like the end of that second year, that would have been my 10th year in teaching. It was almost like I had to mourn the reality that it's just, I couldn't do both really well. So I, I felt like I kind of pushed out the edges as much as I could do on both of them and then either had to figure out if I'd be willing to live with leaving teaching or leaving or not seeing where music could go. And music in this capacity felt like it had a more, like a narrower timeline. Not that I won't create music forever, but just to work with the people I wanted to work with, to travel the way I wanted to do it, to record, those things felt like there was an urgency to it and that I could still connect with people, my students, and do it. So that went well and right. But it was still terrifying. Even when I was doing it, I'm like, this could be a mistake. <laughs> and then you have all these eyes on you, wondering, like, mm -hmm. wondering how it's going to pan out for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Especially when you tell someone, like a teacher, who's been in, like I taught 11 years, and there are career teachers, who, like the, our parents' generation, who they were they were taught and instructed that you teach for 30, 35 plus years, you stick with the same job, and then that's when you get to retire. So when I communicated I was retiring, everyone's like, oh, so you're quitting. I'm like, no, I'm retiring. And it, there's definitely some pushback on the language of that, some concern, which I interpret as love, but um, there's just no way I could explain to everyone what I had been planning and even what it was going to look like because the thought was like you wouldn't leave unless you were signed or like a label picked you up or you won the voice or like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like you made it right i'm like well yeah but not in the the not way that, that you're way. in not in that way like i made it so that i could do it this way my way yeah but it wasn't flashy enough to like put a lot of people at ease i think for sure i think it's hard for some people that have no experience in like being an artist in some form that success isn't always being on the late night show yeah. or getting that TV spot yeah. finally, that there's these middle class musicians and, mm -hmm. and lower class musicians <laughs> that get by with you know enough to, to pay their bills. And, mm -hmm. and that is success for them is mm -hmm. to not have to go yeah. to a job that they don't want to do. Or, yeah. you know. And maybe even to have the power that I wouldn't have had I been picked up by someone else. And this is not an argument against that or even to say that I haven't thought about things like that, but part of the winning was getting, doing the work so that I could have a big say in how I write and who I work with and who I take counsel from and who I say thank you to, but dismiss it. Yeah. Be like, cool, that's a good template for you. Not my template 
for sure. I think I was buying that. That's what I wanted. That's very cool. I think that's pretty uh, pretty cool to have that awareness that you know maybe you get that opportunity to be signed by somebody, but realize that you're you're giving up a lot probably yeah. to do that, especially as somebody that doesn't have a name to begin with mm-hmm. is. It's kind of like, all right, I'm signing on to this thing for you to shape what I become. Yeah, which I can, which would be really exciting depending on what they were offering. Right. So that's not to, I feel, I'm like almost catching myself. Like when we were talking earlier, like if this opportunity came around the corner, (laughs) would you be surprised if I took it? But I I like that I'm in a place where someone would have to really offer me something amazing and honestly just believe in me for me to give up the autonomy yeah. of what I have. So I don't have a lot of the supports that others artists do on small or larger labels, uh, but I move at my pace. So if I need to slow things down for other things in my life, I can. And if I want to just do it my way, which sounds obnoxious, but there's just, I have a different metric of things. For I sure. can do it and not feel like I'm completely... Um, ruining that relationship with a label who has a very particular way of doing business. So I do feel grateful for that. Yeah, until maybe you get the opportunity, like it's the, the right thing. The right thing. Like choosing, choosing who you work with, that's been a really, it seems very obvious, but whether it be in the studio or collaborations or interviews, and even just down to everything, I get friendships, it's been uh, refreshing to be in a position where I can, choose the ones that feel healthy yeah. and learning how to walk away from the other ones for sure and, and not be like i don't know romanticizing ones that seem bigger and flashier but really would just destroy me in the long run yeah and if you want to put a song out tomorrow with whoever you want to put a song out with tomorrow, you you get yes. to do that and you don't have to yes. ask if it's okay yeah. or whatever, you yeah. know. Yeah. And if it sucks, but Maybe I should have said that. <laughs> if it's terrible. If it's terrible. You can take it down. <laughs> I can take it down. I can apologize. I can leave it up. I get, I will have to own all the consequences of it, but I'll... But you own consequences whoever you're connected to. So, I, yeah. It's risky in other ways, but I like that. I like getting to make those calls. Yeah. I think it's also nice, you know, should that opportunity come at you in the future to get on a label of big size or mid size or whatever size, size, you <laughs> whatever know, size that like you're pretty grounded in your shit and you already know what you want so that you don't get taken advantage of in some way and yeah do you ever think about what your 18 year old self would like the decisions or calls they would make in this here and now well <laughs> i think that I often look back at that 18 to even 23-year-old mm-hmm. person and realize that it was very good that probably that I did not reach some sort of level of fame that I thought that <laughs> I wanted like my band to be big and whatever same, same. you know I yeah, re- like yeah. honestly think I mean I don't know maybe I went to fucked it up but yeah. like I don't know. I just want much different things at the that, now. Yeah. And I think that, I don't know. I think you see that happen a lot where somebody gets this crazy level of success at a pretty young age mm-hmm. and 
it burns out pretty quickly or mm-hmm. they don't handle it well or don't have people in their corner that help them mm-hmm. do so, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just think, like, hopefully at this age, if I, I don't know, got some cool opportunity that I would treat it differently, yeah. you know? I think what you said about wanting different things, because I've thought about that a lot because a lot is besides my age has changed. Like I feel like I'm living a different life and a different body. It feels weird sometimes because yeah. I feel very kindly towards my 18-year-old self, but also kind of I want to give her a hug and just hold her really close and then be like, it's going to be different, yeah. <laughs> whisper into her ear. But so I'm not saying she had nothing to say. She had a lot to say. Everything obviously that I've experienced up to that point she's experienced. And I don't think every like child who's entered into like had a certain degree of fame has that's not been a mistake, but their life, their um, evolution just for everyone to see, which can be interesting in its own sense. But if I could be listened to then or now, I just so much has changed. Where I'm like, if I could only have one, I would rather be listened to as a person now. Yeah. I think I know what I know now more and I know what I don't know. And I would be better in humility to be able to say, don't know that. And I'm not going to claim to know that. (laughs) I'm not going to write a song about that because I don't know. So I'm going to write about what I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's, I think I fall fall into that very much so. Like, yeah, I think I would tell young 18-year-old me to not be so hard on himself, you know, about Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But... Yeah, the it's definitely a different a different view at this point, you know. Totally. So I think I would just be very just treat it much differently. Yeah. As I do with everything. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> just um, anytime I see videos of myself at that age, it's like incredibly cringeworthy, and I yeah. just want to like, I just don't understand. why I had to be so obnoxious. I'm kind of 50-50 on this, but I usually, I'm grateful that I didn't have a YouTube channel when I was younger. Me too. The 50-50 is because I'll see other people in their cringeworthy stages when it's been documented by parents or family members, whatever the case. And it is cringy, but it's very endearing too because it's just a reminder of like, wow, like no one bypasses this, these seasons. You're just this flailing, figuring some things out, some days looking cool, the other days obnoxious and unaware of it and trying so hard. And then not to even mention just the physical weirdness. (laughs) They give some of my haircuts, pre-braces, things like that. And so the 50-50 is like, I'm so glad it's not up there because there have been a lot of weird Celine Dion and Tony Braxton running to the camera and turning it on, running back to the corner of the room, <laughs> yeah. turning around and posing, and then panicking when my brother knocked on the door. He probably caught me screaming, leave me alone. <laughs> but it's also, like when I see other people's stuff, I'm just in, I'm like, I'm amazed. Because I like seeing people grow up. I just don't want people to see mine. I want to see everyone else's. <laughs> yeah, I want I want people to see from a certain like yeah. after a certain age. Or if I, I could think. just edit out chunks like yeah. oh those years Absolutely. rough. And please no. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm still 
I'm trying to learn now to not be so hard on myself <laughs> as I would tell young me, but I don't know. I must've not been that bad. Like I maintain all of my friendships from that <laughs> age. But you were not that bad. You were not that bad. Uh, recently watched some high school videos from the high school band. I have still incredibly close with yeah. those dudes that were a part of that. And I was watching it with one of them the other night a few weeks ago or, or something. And I was just like, why do you, why, why did, why do you put up, why did you put up with this? <laughs> like, and they're like, we were all, our, all of our brains weren't formed. Yeah, for <laughs> we sure. We all weren't sure. And I don't know. It, I'm sure Maybe it's not it that Maybe it solidifies just, your friendships. You're like, thank you. Yeah. To all those people. Like, sure. Thank you for loving me in a really weird time. Yeah. Thank you for loving me during that when I could not shut the fuck up and was apparently looking for a lot of attention a lot of the time and had to be the person saying the funny thing that wasn't always very funny. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> it's like, thank you for putting up with that. Yeah. I feel like I, I know it's shocking because I've had conversations with family and friends, but my, my older sister was more, she would speak for me most of the time in family videos. So someone will be like, hey, Bobo, how you doing? And then I love I love you, Don. If you ever listen to this, and then Don would pop her face and be like, "She's doing great." It would speak for me. So she would she would narrate life, and we would do like little musicals, and she would tell me what to become. Now you're a giraffe. Now you're a ballerina, and I would just conform to it. So growing up and then realizing I had to speak for myself, that was a new skill. And then getting older and going, oh, I actually have these opinions. And then learning how to share them lovingly, kindly. I know that it's odd for many people. Or like, you didn't have these. Like, if we look at the old videos, you were the one being like, nodding, smiling. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that sounds cool, 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 cool. And I'm like, no, I don't agree with that. But I love you. But I'm not going with it. I know it's been abrupt. So they were, I feel like I have to be patient with other people because I, I feel like this was me the whole time. But it wasn't what they experienced. For sure. It all clicks in for people at different times and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. Pretty late for me, I'd say. I, I <laughs> but just in time. I feel the same in, in some ways, for sure. I mean, I know plenty of people that will tell me that I'm just a more relaxed, chill dude now. And I think that's probably pretty true, mm -hmm. you know? dialed it back quite a bit but still i'm still obviously you know i mean I'm you're still, doing a podcast and you're yeah, doing hosting so. shows so <laughs> it takes a certain person my face is the to logo. love that <laughs> that's true i have a sticker oh, of your face on my guitar case so. that's a decision that 20 set i don't know 30 year old dan maybe mm -hmm. would have gone back and maybe rethought about that decision even <laughs> at this point now i'm just dedicated to this logo <laughs> like i'm committed i'm gonna run this logo into yeah my whole ego is tied up into this beard and glasses now <laughs> every once in a while i think about burning it down and just shaving it and getting getting laser yeah, i was about to say you get your eyes like lasik yeah lasik yeah i know i said lasik i combined right. them but uh, you get that and then you have to keep wearing your glasses at shows i guess or i just disappear like, that's my plan when I want <laughs> to burn this only, all down. That's the only option. You're like, I either <laughs> have to wear glasses or disappear myself. You're like, Dan, there are more options than just those two. 
No. I don't want to be you. that I don't want to be that guy that used to do that thing. I understand that. <laughs> I have a plan. This EP doesn't go well. <laughs> Places to move. I'll add another vowel to my name and then no one will be able to find me. Cause there's so many. So even though as a younger person, yes. maybe not having your voice heard as much, were you still always comfortable in performing in some capacity? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think there's always the nerves just because I still feel them now. And people will be like, That's, there's a healthy degree of that that you need because it means it matters to you. But uh, yeah, performing music with my family. And it's a weird thing. Like I, I don't think I would have thought that I was not bold in my in sharing who I was because I was pretty transparent with life and family and what I loved and what was difficult. So I think that gave the illusion that I was like solid in the sense of myself. Like I had a good sense of self and I would stand for it because I did stand for some things. But as times passed, I, I think what I realized is those things weren't not true. I was confident in certain areas, but I just equated uh, loving, respecting, looking out for other people by just not, by just t taking whatever they had to give me and I not pushing back in any way. Like that felt, I didn't want to hurt people. And, and, and there was enough going on in my own family and my community where I was like, if, like peacemaker, that was definitely me. And I wouldn't have liked it if someone had been like, well, you're just kind of tolerating it or you're trying to dust it under the rug. I'm like, no, I'm making peace. But as I got older, I realized that sometimes I was genuinely peacemaking. And a lot of the time I was just um, folding my own things further and further in. And when you do that, of course, there's more peace because people get more of what they want. And you're, I'm like, everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. And then you, something else scratches at me. I'm like, oh, I'm not okay but I had no way to articulate that. And I had felt a little bit of guilt in that I had set up most of my interactions and relationships to be that. So not that it was fair, but then I, I empathized with why people would continue to interact like that with me. Cause I just, that's the kind of script that I had operated under for yeah, so long. You kind of allowed them that space. Yeah, and asked for it sometimes or just, I think that's why even now when people are like, what do you think about this or that? It's been a conscious practice to step back and really learn how to be like, what do I really think about this without fear of it um, differing from them? And then, but then I'll still weigh it through like, and is it really something that I should have an opinion about? So sometimes I'll be like, I don't really care. And they're like, you don't care? I'm like, well, I do care but not enough to feel like my opinion's gonna add anything to the argument, so like, just continue your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I relate to that very much. Yeah. Sometimes um, I'm just like, I don't really think you need to hear what mm -hmm. I have to say about this, yes. nor do I think that you're going to care or if it's going to add anything. Yeah. And maybe that's not always a great approach, but sometimes I feel like it's the right yeah. move. No, like, I that do. it's not worth the energy and kind of knowing when it's worth the energy. Exactly. And it feels very different from when I, in my younger years, where my passivity would have been, I don't want to hurt anyone in any way. 
Um, and then I'd go behind the scenes and try to finagle things so that other things could get taken care of. Now it feels more often kind of like taking a, a wider view of the situation and weighing it out and going, it's not that I'm being passive. I just feel like for this situation, for these people and these things at stake, my added voice is actually contributing to no one other than me being able to be like, I said something. <laughs> like, you know, like a school, like what are they, the Socratic seminars that they had us try to model in classes, which sometimes work, sometimes don't. You get points for like speaking up, but then what ha ends up is you get a lot of people sometimes just saying the same thing with different shade of it because they're trying to get the points. So if you, like if I was in a co group conversation and you said something that I'm like, yeah. And they're like, Isabel, what do you think? I'd probably go, I agree with Dan. But think for yourself, I did. You said it best. <laughs> I don't need to say anything more just so I can be like, oh, I sound so smart. Yeah, so you can hear the sound of your own voice yes, like yeah. a PTA meeting. Yeah, oh my gosh, yes. I went to a... For fun? I went to a work meeting. Okay. Like the first time I went to one of these um, meetings with a bunch of owners or franchisees of, of this business. And mm -hmm. the first thing I thought of was... This is just like a PTA meeting. Mm -hmm. It's the same three people. Mm -hmm. It's the same three parents. Yes. They're going to yell We're about stuff the whole time. Demonstrating what they know. <laughs> you, know like, you guys can defer to each other respectfully. Someone, yeah, but that's not going to happen. People want to hear their own voice. Um, since leaving teaching, yes, it, uh, it seems that it is... I mean, you, you spoke of it already that it, that was like a tough decision for you to make to... Because it's important to you yeah. to like have that interaction with those kids, and I'm mm -hmm. sure the teachers. Um, how important has it been to like maintain some of those relationships? Because I, I see you, you know, mm -hmm. creeping around the school still and hanging out. <laughs> that like, makes you sound so horrible. yeah, creeping was. I see you creeping around the school, of words, looking at those minors. You're hanging out, like yeah, checking in on yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, that's super important to you and mm -hmm. getting to hold on to some of that. Yeah. I definitely don't know yet how to do it perfectly because part of me wanted to go back right away. Like I had thought I'll sub and I'll sub whenever I want and I'll get like this, it sounds like this fix. They're more than a fix, but I'll get to kind of exercise that muscle and then still maintain the flexibility, be making some income that I can invest back towards music. Um, and then the closer it got to it, besides realizing that there are like uh, limitations I didn't know about when you retire, you have to wait a certain amount of time <laughs> before you can enter the system as a sub. I realized that I think I needed time to build a new routine in life because if I just hopped right back into it, that's the mode I've operated in for so long that it's weird to talk about myself in this way, but I knew I would just like go right back in. Yeah. And the regret would be heightened because it'd just be like, there's this thing right here and it's moving and it's growing and it's, there are needs and I can see them. And all of a sudden writing a press release for an EP release feels really small and unimportant. Um, so I haven't, I think I, I went back once to drop off some stuff, another time to help with like an economic summit. And then everything else has primarily been like going to a basketball game yeah. and meeting up with kids for coffee or 
some uh, group of them who are graduating. They're like 21, 22. We went out to dinner and re. I want to relearn how to be a, there for them as a former teacher, but now as for some of them a friend. Like some of them are parents and they're pregnant or they're gonna buy a home and you're like what in the world so that really (laughs) they're not your student they're not student and um just finding ways to show up where if they need a mentor teacher that i can be that to them but if they just need a friend reshaping how we do our interactions um but yeah i just bought some donuts from one for a fundraiser (laughs) (laughs) Donuts I probably should not be eating, but uh, I'll probably drop those off at the school. Because <laughs> that was usually what I would do. I'd buy it from a fundraiser and be like, you guys hungry? <laughs> cool. Eat these now because I can't take these home or I'm going to get huge. Uh, that's rad, though, that you like found a way to still insert yourself into the community, but not uh, not feel like it's overbearing the, the yeah. stuff that you left to do. Yeah. And the teacher who like took my place did the the program that I was in before I left was very much um, around like school culture and events, and it felt important even if my pride wanted to still be a part of it. Or I mean, like anyone, when you build something up, the best thought would be that I could leave this and that that culture would continue. Like that is genuinely what I wanted. But there's definitely a part of you. It's like I want this whole thing to fail. Because <laughs> then they'll know, man, she worked her ass off. She was keeping it together. Yeah, and then I, so it's like these warring parts, but overall, because I love the kids, I'm like, it's got to continue. And I felt like one of those things was not to, to linger in a way where people would l- look to me in a way that wouldn't allow this new staff member or the, even the community that's doing it now to gain some momentum and doing it their way yeah i'm like they can change the whole system as long as they look out for the kids i'm like for sure i'll defer to that and and just to know that like your era and what you created there can still be remembered without it burning to the ground after you're gone you know it doesn't have to be that legacy like yeah oh after isabel left this whole thing fell apart yeah because that's very short term because i i mean i maybe i just outed myself maybe i'm the only one that thinks like that Uh, i mean i think about that with my day job pretty often but also like (laughs) i love the woman Mm -hmm. who owns the business Mm -hmm. and she's been so good to me so of course i want her business to continue to succeed after but i think you know a part of you is just like there's gonna be probably about a month where this thing's really you know not really running like the machine it usually Mm -hmm. is probably and you're gonna miss me i know there's so much that part and I, the greater legacy, which is just going to take time. And that's why I think I st- stayed away is giving myself time to, to see if that sounds kind of like, woo, but like what was given to the kids in attention and love and in the conversations in and between the lessons, I want that to persist. So when I see glimpses of it, do I'm like, yes, even though they'll, they'll probably never be like, that was Isabeau. Um, that, that gives me joy but then I think the glimpses I get where that doesn't seem to be the case that's the only time where I'm like oh hell no what is going on Yeah. like yes you did this thing and it's on the news but I'm seeing that these kids are being left out I don't care that you got on KGW yeah for sure what a spectacle 
those kids. So, anyways, you know at high school you are. <laughs> I feel like, check yourself. Um, what do you, was there something along the way of making that decision to depart from teaching that gave you the confidence to tell yourself, all right, this was this is the thing that made me think, that made me believe hmm. that I could pull this off? Uh, probably a f- few things. I've always wanted my musical risks to be my risks and not to fall on anyone else. So the financial aspect was a big part of it. And not that I think people have to have like a two-car garage, white picket fence, mortgage to be like, now it's time to launch into your creative (laughs) life. Um, But I just wanted to be able to know like I have my affairs in order so that when I take these risks, if it doesn't turn out, they're on me. And not like I'm going to have to call up every person in my family and then my friend family and be like, can you carry me? Not to say that others, that's not their road. I just grew up differently and have lived, been poor, very poor. Um, It's just not romantic to me in that same way. But not even just because I've personally felt the repercussions of growing up poor, but I always remember wanting to like contribute and just not being able to, even down to like school parties where they're like, if you guys want to bring chips or cookies and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah, that's like a big ask. Yeah, you're like, I can't ask my mom that because I already know about this other thing and it's going to stress them out, but then they might do it, but then I know what that's going to mean. So um, I just wanted to be in a position where I could still, that I could take risks, but that they would be my own, that they would be Tyson and mine's, and then that maybe, ideally, I could still be generous and look out for whoever my people are. So when I hit the point where I'm like, I could do that, I have to change some things about my standard of living, but I could take these risks, work hard, and still look out for people. I'm like, okay, that one's check. Um, for just feeling more at home in my own writing and creating, I'm like, oh, I, I'm starting to believe myself in a way that I hadn't before. Getting to collaborate with other artists in a band, getting to see other people make big jumps and try out new things, including you, and be like, okay, at some point, I'm gonna have to take some bigger risks if I wanna see like this work out and be okay with it, not like, what if it fails? I'm like, well, maybe. And just I wasn't getting any younger. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe I would just get younger one day. Because <laughs> I just knew I wouldn't ever sever it. I think that was the biggest part is looking at the kids and realizing I'm falling in love with every class that comes in. So I, I that mentality of like, and after this class of kids graduates, I'll be done. Right. And then the freshman would come in and I'd find a few weirdos that I just thought were the best. And I'd be like, after this class graduates, then I'll be ready. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to like, always keep liking them, I might just have to like jump and find a different way of loving them because yeah. I don't know how to leave things. That's what I've learned. I, I feel you. I'm the worst at leaving <laughs> I'm things. I'm with it. <laughs> I can barely leave parties. <laughs> like if one day when we're at the same party, you'll, know, you'll see me, I'll say bye like 10 times and then I'll be at the door putting on my shoes, strike up another conversation and then walk away like, 
cool, cool. And then was still waving while you're walking to the car. And yeah. then I get in the car. I'm like, Isabeau, they wanted you to. <laughs> Why were you cleaning up? Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I, I feel that very much so. Have you ever got cleaning up, uh, got caught cleaning up like a wedding? Um, that you didn't know anyone who's getting I don't married? Think, I don't think so. I don't think that that's <laughs> ever happened. Me too. Me neither. I mean, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I would imagine, though, that those, uh, like, sacrifices of standards of living that you made have hopefully paid off and found value in, in what you're doing. Yeah. And those, maybe cancel those things out, hopefully. Mm-hmm. For sure. It feels worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny. I started, I don't know how long ago it was that you started hanging out with Luz. hmm um, but I was, I was with my friend Andrew one day and, uh, I was like, see, Isabel has been hanging out with Luz. I wonder how long it's going to be before she starts singing in that band. Cause I kind of seen maybe this rotating cast of mm-hmm. backup singers. Anytime I had seen some Ila Bamba stuff and sure as shit, just like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like a few weeks later, there you were up there singing, singing jams with Ila Bamba. Um, trying real hard not to mess up. How how did uh, that relationship with Luz come to happen? Um, pro- probably an interview. Well, I was doing like my Isabel version of Dan Cable. Oh yeah, for my YouTube channel. Absolutely. And uh, it was there was a few artists locally who I'd been sitting down with and asking some questions, and then recording our conversation. And that was the first time I met, like, not at a show, Losing Grace, the former bassist. Um, and then we ate a teote and talked. That's one of my favorite spots. Oh, it's so good. So good. <laughs> it's so good. I feel it's very hungry plug. right it's now. It's a free plug for teote, and they can yes. have it. I'm about it. Sponsor us. <laughs> Both of us. Yes, please. <laughs> Even if it's we just like a meal a week. Right? That'd I'll be take so, that. that'd be I would give the plug. I'm I about would. It. I used to try to get sponsorships from like donut shops. I'm, I'm like, just, what about music gear? I'm yeah. like, oh right, that too. But also But like what if you could go to Teote twice a week and they just That would be Am I already getting greedy? You just said once a week. I know. I was like, wow, like we upped it twice. It. I'm yeah, like, that feels unrealistic. <laughs> but once a week feels I'm gonna, like I'm chopping up this clip and sending it to him. Like, do you hear the love? That you've been given, and the, and the origin of that spot. So much has happened in the, that restaurant. Which one are you thinking of? Are you thinking of the Hawthorne? The I was thinking Hawthorne? about that yeah, one. Yeah, same, same. Sorry. Uh-huh. Um, I just sorry. The new one's nice food. on Alberta too. Yes, it's nice too. I mean, I'll take a meal from either. I'll take it from the Pine the Pine Street Market. Yeah, one that they have there too. Oh, cool! I didn't yeah. even know that one existed. Yeah, it's new. Look at this plug. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Free advertisement. Uh, so you met Luz doing that, yeah, and had the opportunity to have like an actual sit down conversation, spend some time with her. Yeah, and I remember getting home and I was interviewing or interviewing, editing a handful of those conversations. I was experimenting with my YouTube channel, um, and I I remember when I was editing hers. I don't know why I was surprised because a lot of these artists or creators that I had met up with in the beginning, I had done some research about them. So I knew a lot about them in the like print or from what I'd seen in their like live shows. Uh, 
but just felt, hmm, what's the right word? A lot of what she was saying was landing very much so and, and not at all like that loses experience or upbringing mirrored. I mean, ours weren't the same, obviously, we're different people. Um, but things that I felt like I was just scratching the surface of being able to take from inside and communicate to the world, she was narrating it. So it felt, it just felt like a relief, honestly, to listen to it to the point where I even sent a clip of it before I even put it to my dad. I'm like, doesn't this make sense? Like it's a very affirming thing when the, the voices and the narrative, and you're trying to figure out what parts of your narrative are true or whatever and you can start to feel a little crazy or alone when it's just in your head and then when you meet someone and in passing or in conversation they they communicate that same thing you're like oh right even if it's just like i'm not alone yeah like in a song like in a song you know a one two three <laughs> <eight. laughs> <laughs> but so that interview, I'm gonna hate that. I kind of, I kind of, uh, I was gonna kick it off, the kick the episode off with better metric, but just because I know like you like count that in, I almost want to like put that one there. <laughs> I'm not going to. That's like, I'll take anything and make amazing. it into a band name. And be like, <laughs> hey everyone, we're blinds near light switch. One, two, three. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, and then we just kept talking. And went to her birthday party, had breakfast with she and a few of her close friends, and then just kind of kept being friends. Um, and I, I think the first time we did anything musically together was probably like... Like almost like nine or ten months after we met. And I, we went up together. She had a solo show in Seattle. And I was just, I thought I was just going to go hang out and be, because still to this day, even being her bandmate, I, my first thing is friend. So at that point, I'm like, I want to be a better friend first. So if never want to, especially because I'm doing music myself as a solo artist, I feel incredibly sensitive to people knowing that I'm showing up for them, for you, Dan Cable. I always say your full name. Sorry. It's okay. Um, it's a thing that Dan. I did that to myself. Okay. <laughs> when I put my name on the on the podcast. Yep. And the face. I I yeah. I yeah. tell people that all the time. I'm just I'm just consistently introduced as Dan by Kimmel. my first and last name. Yep. And it's very funny to me. And I thought that was, like, I thought that's I what you wanted. And no, you're like, no, I'm no. Dan. No, I I'll take whatever. Okay. You know. So I show up for you, Dan. So if you like host a show. Yeah, it feels for important sure. for you, me, even though there's like connections and networking that has to be done in, especially if you're, you're your own small business. Yeah. I feel extra sensitive, not extra compared to other people, just for myself. I feel very sensitive to ensure that people know I'm like buying into them yeah. and that I'm not going to push something. So we just didn't even I mention music, honestly, because I'm like, I just don't want it to feel like. You don't want it to be gross. Yes. And there's a way to not make it It feels gross. very uncomfortable. So even when she, when we did that solo thing, I sang on one song. I was so, I was nervous because I didn't want it to be gross. I didn't want it to come across like I'm hopping in 
which is funny because I'm like, Isabel, she asked you. And then also <laughs> coming from a place where, like, I don't speak native Hawaiian fluently, um, but more and more immersion schools are popping up in Hawaii. And I'm, I've heard people scold their kids in Hawaiian at the airport. And it, that's just like mind boggling to me because it was like, what, 15 years ago that it was considered like a dying language, an endangered language. I think it still is. But um, from the family and culture I come from, the importance of correct delivery of the language and how slight changes change the meaning and at the very least not taken seriously if you don't pronounce what you do know well um, gave me a very high anxiety about singing her, oh, one, it being her songs, so wanting to respect any artist that I sing with and their creations and then singing in not my first language. And in my spoken version of it, it's very slow. Yeah. So if you come at me really fast, I might know in general what you're talking to me about, but I'm still gonna need to sit down and break it down. So I was excited. I was honored to be able to, to join my friend in that way, but also like a really healthy, loud fear. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like a deafening fear, honestly. <laughs> like, I would imagine. Fuck up. In I don't know. I've never even met Luz before. Mm -hmm. I've seen her perform, and she's just such a powerful presence mm -hmm. too. So like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I imagine that could even was that still a level of intimidation too, or was it because you had created this friendship that made it much easier? I think it made some things easier, and then maybe heightened other things because there was not an option of like, well. I'm just going to do it my way, and then if it doesn't work out, then they'll release me from this like position in this band. It's like, I want to do right as a musician, and I want to do right by my friend. And there's a lot of characteristics in her that I either, it resonates with me or from like my family. So it feels very, like I respect her fire, and I want to be a conduit for it when I'm a part of the band. Yeah. And it's a different mode to go from solo act where you are, where I'm up there with my guitar and my songs and I'm trying to remind myself of why I'm there and like guard my fire. And then it's just a different mode stepping into the band and to come with the energy and the professionalism. And then also just to like, in every movement and every like how to support that fire. It's like, I'm learning it and it feels like this last stint we went on, I felt more at ease in my skin and role in the band family than ever. And I, I hope that's the trajectory that's just been, I think I can live with that if, if I'm getting more and more comfortable. My yeah. fear is that I would just always feel terrified to mess up. Cause no one really, not no one, I don't like outperform myself when I'm afraid. Like I know like growing up in like sports, those coaches were like, would terrify you and they thought that it would make you be an amazing athlete. Yeah, that's not how you no. ignite the fire for you. You do not ignite, well, you ignite a very short-term fire in me that will fizzle out into chaos. We're like, why is she shooting the basketball in the wrong hoop? Just kidding, never done that. <laughs> but, cause I just get a, the, I feel like my brain is more in survival mode than in thrive and creative mode. Yeah. So the more our friendship, has grown and then the more I've put in the time and work to prepare 
it's it's felt like less of that fear that cripples me and more of that excitement about like I'm just gonna I'm gonna try this I'm gonna try to do it well yeah um has that also that experience of getting to be a part of Ilabamba is that something that's like really informed what you want for your solo music career because you've obviously had some pretty incredible opportunities through Ilabamba and the, mm-hmm. the size of shows you get to mm-hmm. play and like you are on a legendary program like the tiny desk concert you got to be in that room and that's like a i don't know i feel like that's a very legendary thing for musicians and like the music heads you know that's something that people tune into all the time and but yeah it sounded so lame the way i did it (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) i I meant it but it came out i'm like sounds like i'm not genuine um no it has it's, it's a weird thing because on one hand, it's very humbling, not impossible, but humbling to like go out on the road with the band and because of the work that Luz and uh, previous band members and current band members have put into uh, bringing to life her vision and what she's like pushed for, there are spaces and audiences and venues that she's earned her place in and that we get to be a part of it and present to them like this body of work and it's like the tiny desk. It was amazing. And there was this weird thing in me where I wanted to be cool, not like too cool, but just cool so that I could be ready and collected and not an embarrassment. Yeah. (laughs) But also I value when people show when they're, like their genuine feeling about what they feel about something in time. Like excited about doing yeah. this thing. That I'm like, everybody... be excited <laughs> about it, people. Like this is this is a big deal. And I think with the contrast is like all those spaces and venues that are genuinely exciting to me and and feel mind-boggling even when I left Bob Boylan's desk, like touching <laughs> touching things. And um, I know it sounds really, it's very wishful. So I'm not even saying it's going to happen, but even trying to learn how to like, hope for things like that for myself which feels very weird because I have a very strong inner motor ambition but I also don't expect things to happen for me just because I have a a heart for it and the like work ethic I've seen a lot of beautiful talented um hard-working people have a really hard life yeah so I'm like I don't expect this but when I left I'm like I would like to come back. Like I just said it to the room by yeah. myself. I'm like, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a cool place to be though when you when you stop expecting things. Yeah. You know? I feel like you completely change the framework for yourself when you're just doing things because you love to do it. And maybe yeah. and you know, you hope to yeah. get to those things, but if you don't expect it, I feel like there's Yeah. Like I'm not entitled to it. I I'm entitled to respect and hopefully some love and care, but there's very little that I feel entitled to, um, which is the big gap. So like we'll go and we'll play, like this past summer we played out at the Los Dells Festival and we weren't on the biggest stage, but we are on a, um, for Isabeau, 
I'd call it a pretty fucking huge stage. <laughs> and not that that makes it anything, but it is an experience that I haven't had. For so sure. you're like trying to do your best in that setting. And then that weekend came back and the next show I played, um, super tiny. Like not just the space was small, but like by like yourself, the turnout and by, yeah, and by yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to do a lot of work in my brain and in my heart to remind myself that you can, I can be excited and aim for these certain venues and spaces Excuse me. that would be markers of the music getting out and being received and being desired. However, not to ever fall prey to thinking that that will be what makes my music important or valuable. And it's a hard one to dance with. I'm like, of course, the really small solo artist is going to justify that because she's trying to like pump herself up, but but to really mean it and be like, I value those things, I want those things, but when I come back and I'm playing alone on stage and the, the songs are mine and they're different and there's a meh, meh turnout and the bartender looks a little bored and you make like a little bit of money and doesn't seem to like move you any further down the line to still show up for myself and yeah. be like, stoked and with everyone who showed up to value their time and so it that's been a a funny dance to go back and forth and people are like oh this space is not that great and in my head i'm like this is so cool because <laughs> you know where i'm playing when i get back this other place yeah that and i'll be alone and there's benefits to playing alone but there's also when shit hits the fan you're alone and when no one shows up you're alone you don't even have right. a band to look at each other and be like you know what you guys the crowd sucks, but we're here together. Yeah, we had this experience <laughs> together. Exactly. You know, you're like, if you're alone, you're just looking around. You're like, cool, Isabeau. Remember, mom and dad love you. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, cool. And he's starting to like a really sad song. So. Right. And, yeah. then, and then I would imagine there's this whole dance of trying to figure out the balance of getting super involved in the Ila Bamba thing, but remembering why you yeah. departed into full-time musician was yeah. to like pursue your yeah. solo career in that's some capacity too. work, yeah. And I think that's why I have to like that conversation with myself of be- believing in myself <laughs> so, so, uh, or taking myself seriously enough to keep working on my project because it'd be really easy when you're around such talented musicians as my bandmates, all of them independently and then lose with this project. I am a fan and it would, I think it would be very easy to return back to my solo stuff and not, I'm not trying to like self-deprecate, but like, it sucks, but to be like, is it, like, what am I doing? Like, am I that, that nice person who no one will tell <laughs> to like, maybe you should reinvest your time. Definitely so, not. so coming back to it and learning how to, to go back into it and, advocate for myself and not like expect anything or think I'm entitled, but to be ambitious with it in my way. Like I don't have to be any other version of it, but um, that those are conversations I'm still having with myself, with Ty, with Luz. It's like, how can I respect my bandmates and their time and be a part of it? And also know like it's, um, it's a lot of time and energy to do that well, and I don't want to half-ass my contributions to Ila Bamba 
in a relational way, in a musical way. And I also know that if I don't show up for myself, that I just, I, I'll just sleep in Netflix through yeah. the next few weeks when we get back kind of a thing and be like, oh my gosh, I was going to do this thing. Like I worked for 11 years in a high school so that I could do this thing. I'm like, do your thing, Bo. Come on. <laughs> Even if it only gets 50 views on YouTube, I'll take 50. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing your thing and you're putting out this record. So that's pretty cool. Thanks. And I think this is a, a good time to jump into another track from that that EP in Ordinary Days. This is one of my favorites for sure. I remember hearing you play this a few times. At least once, I feel like I, I've heard you play this song. It wasn't in the live. original podcast with you, right? No. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. no. Just at shows after that, you know? Thanks for coming to those. Of course. They're always worth going to you're not you're not the person that everybody's just being nice to about the music they're making we'll or at least i will see or you're like or <laughs> Dan Cable believes. i believe but uh this is uh this is definitely one of the, the jams that sticks out heavy to me in this uh this collection of tunes so this is ordinary days Some of that love on my ordinary. 
talk about this uh this better metric ep mm. that uh this this collection of tunes i think uh i think there's probably quite a few people out there that have been waiting for an official release from you of, of some music that we can listen to regularly on our our spotify's and itunes so because if you go there's one <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm pretty people stoked like, about it. Like, is there anything more than that one song you have visible? And I love responding, nope. But you do have an insane amount of content to check out on YouTube. And you have so many videos that people can... There's no shortage of sounds. Yeah, So they're like, you only have one? I'm like, do you know what YouTube is? I'm like, go to YouTube. But it is a different... I'm feeling that in a real way. That there's a very different way that I approached... Yeah, this EP versus the way I treat my YouTube channel. And what do you feel like the difference in this approach is? Well, YouTube is. is just a weird platform. I've known that from the start. The the trolls, the students who used it as like how to get homework, like requests and stuff. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, um, the fight for viral videos. I mean, I watched this one lady cook Korean meals out of two eggs and random ingredients for hours and I'm embarrassed, but I just admit to that. <laughs> so YouTube is a weird world and how I've utilized it is realizing that um, I am going for quality. So in that essence, I'm going for excellence, but not perfection because I just wanted to create something that would help me keep playing and sharing music and sharing conversations. So it used to be once a week, I'm trying to do twice a week where I share covers or original music or collaborations. And it just is like paid practice. And YouTube is also very, um, how I've watched people consume content is very much a, um, they want to get to know the person. So I will keep versions, like I'll, if I'm doing twice a week uh, releases of songs, at the end of that recording, I'll, I'll give a certain amount of time and 
I'll just take my best version. But best doesn't mean it's going to be everything, all the bells and whistles and mixed perfectly. Just I want it to be pleasing, but within the time frame so that I keep creating. The studio felt like a, like a labor of love. And it's not perfect. Nothing I'm that helps me like actually create is when someone says it, takes that off the table. Because then I'll never release anything. If, I, if that's the standard perfection, I'm like, well, then hell. Yeah. Don't listen to me ever because I change everything every time I sing the song. So <laughs> it's never going to be perfect. But it was like labored over and given some more time and attention and let it brew a little bit and worked with Ryan Oxford. He's the guitarist from Ilovamba and he produces out of the Center for Light, Sound and Color Therapy. I might have gotten those mixed up, the light and sound, but... Um, just honestly letting other people get their hands on the songs and uh, did the arrangements myself, but it's, but when the other, when Ryan worked on it and with other uh, musicians worked on it, showing up with um, enough of an idea, but then kind of let giving them freedom to, I wanted that. I wanted people to add to it. Yeah. And there's some things that felt really particular that I didn't want to bend like I had in the past and it just never sounded like me. But once I reached that point where I'm assured that it's me that I'm hearing, then when like the percussion or bassist or guitar stuff came in, then I was feeling a lot more like, well, I want help stretching the song. Right. Because I want it to be something that I can't just come up with on my own because I'm starting to hit a rut because I've been with sitting with these songs for so long that when you're asking me what's there, I need... Like um, what's the word for it? like if like a uh, someone who's I use this example so often and I should just Google this. <laughs> uh, my sister did like a stone carving class, and when they gave her this huge slab of rock, and then she had to chip it away to she was gonna do like a buffalo, and I had never thought about how the approach to like whether you're like if you're building something or if you're a sculptor and you're adding clay to it that's one way. But the like reductionist, that might not be the term. So sorry, every... It's good with me. Okay, cool. <laughs> You'll get the point. But that uh, I have to see it all and then chip away at the stuff I don't want to get at it. So a lot of the time it was like, well, what are you thinking of? What are you hearing? And I had to learn how to be like, can we try this? And then we try it on and you're like, nope. And not being afraid to ask if you can try it, knowing that it might yes. not be the right thing. Yes, yes. And I'm not great at that, but I was getting better at it. And I had some, I mean, Ryan Ryan met me more than halfway. Like if, if no one was, if someone wasn't showing up, it was me and my nervousness and even Luz as a friend coming in and just reminding me like, you can ask Isabel for what you're saying. You can say, show me all these things. And it's okay to say, not that. Not that, because I didn't want to be insulting. I didn't want to waste people's time. Yeah, you don't want somebody to do all that work. Oh and then my gosh. I don't, I don't think this is You're working. amazing, but that's not what I'm hearing for this. And then even just the practicality of time and money. Right. So even having to give myself those confines. So even when friends would be like, hear it all and then cut it, having to find that in between of, yes, I want to hear as much as I can, but I also can't pay everyone to give me their time and their skills for hours and days and days and not use it. Practical as well. Yeah. So at some point being like, yes, I commit to that. Let's build from there and yeah. go on. But just found a really good fit. Ryan created a cool yeah. space for you to do that. Yeah, where I'm like, ah, oh, this is good. 
so you could actually enjoy it too and not yeah. just be yeah. a wreck while making it. Mm-hmm. Wreck that you're going to put all of this into these precious songs of yours and then walk away and be like, it sounds good, but it's not me. Yeah. Or maybe it doesn't even sound good. <laughs> or just not even get to enjoy the creative process mm-hmm. of making it. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel like Ryan taught you something different about your tunes? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I, I meant that. That sounds kind of callous the way I said it. There's just a... I can't think of anything specific. Yes to that, even just in his process, it was affirming. No, it confirmed that it is a really important thing to find your fit in those spaces and that there are a lot of talented and skilled people in any field. Um, but when it comes to like the arts, someone's like style, so not the style of sound that he creates, but also, also his methods. Yeah, his approach. and Yeah, I felt like we were very much in sync there where there are a lot of other people, and he would say this, that have maybe more time and experience in their belts or more gear or whatever the case. But watching him work with my friends, watching him or work in our band, and then realizing that his process makes sense to me. And again, it made me feel less crazy. Like I feel like that connection when you're communicating with someone, they articulate something, you're like, yeah, exactly. So to watch his process and be like, that is how I create. And I think I can show up more confidently in that space and trust that if he goes, well, what about this? That it's gonna be not just a, like a professional uh, suggestion, but it's also his his style is agreeable to me. I'm like, yes. His way of serving the song. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, I would imagine also just getting to build that rapport touring around and stuff and being mm-hmm. know that, knowing that you can be stuck in the same room together for six to eight hours in a session mm-hmm. is, was comforting as mm-hmm. well. I'm just weird too, altogether. <laughs> I'll be weird with anyone and go into situations where I just don't want to tax people too much. So it was a relief to know going in that there was enough of a friendship that my presence wasn't taxing to anyone or that my weirdness was already known. And I had fleshed a lot of things out in conversation on tour prior to even starting this like business transaction of sorts. Um, a lot of it too, wanting to get to know his process as a sound engineer, producer, but also similar with my friendship with Luz and kind of in the same vein that we talked about earlier, I didn't want him to have to say yes to me because we were friends and bandmates. I wanted him to believe in it. And if he didn't, that's okay. I'd be a little embarrassed, <laughs> but I would rather that than persist and it be like a forced relationship where, because I think that does make a difference and not everyone gets to be picky because you have to make money and you need to survive. But between in ours, I was like, I'd prefer again to keep our friendship than you say yes because you're going to see me a while on our band like tours and stuff like that, but not really like if you hear the songs, if you are not moved by them, like, Oh my gosh, let's not do this. Yeah. Like Cause um, then you're wasting both of your. Yeah. I'm like, too. Oh my gosh. And I've done that. So I'm like, let's just not do that. Yeah. And I take friendship over that. For so sure. it was a relief to have time to communicate that with him beforehand. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason people make 
end up making records with the same producers and engineers mm-hmm. for their entire careers or huge chunks of it and stuff because yeah. of that dynamic and chemistry and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that's cool that you were able to find it for this yeah. being kind of your, your first big release. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> great job, Ryan. Good it job, sounds Ryan. great. I really, no, there's, there's some like killer textures on, on the whole thing. There's just all these cool, just use of space sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like in some of the the recording techniques. Mm-hmm. We record to tape. Especially on woman. Like there's just such a cool space. That's that, all live. That song sits in. And Andrew Jones on the bass and Nick DeWitt was on the organ. And we just did one mic right in the middle of the room. Um, and even stuff like that, like I get around other musicians that I respect and I, I, my anxiety around not bringing something to the table can often cripple me, but just had to close my eyes and I, at that woman was the last song we did. So at that point there was enough, there was enough comfort where I'm like, is what there's no argument as to why this space isn't a good one for you to try this out this point if you don't do it it's purely because you've gotten your head so just closed my eyes and sang it and there were some areas like I sat down with Ryan afterwards and um like I'm the queen of one takes for YouTube just because at my timeline but then there's this feeling like I'm this is different this can't be a one take but you also can't capture things that happen in real time, sometimes over again. Yeah. And was like, I don't want it to be less than, I don't want it to be lazy. But this feels like it captured, even with some of the things where I was like, oh, that part irritates me because it's not perfect. I'm like, but is it distracting to you? And he's like, no, I think we should just stick with it. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Because I feel like anyone else would be like, let's do it again because there's like things we could hone in a little bit more. For sure. But I felt like he was able to discern like for this song, for this time, for the way we want it to like land on people, let's let it do that. Just acknowledging that perfection isn't always the mm-hmm. best move and doesn't always capture feel. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think often that that's why the first take ends up being the right one most of the time, you mm-hmm. know, just because it has the, the energy to it. He let me hang a like a big blanket over the window so that the the control room couldn't see inside singing oh, even stuff nice. like that where it's like perfect that's all i needed with some just to feel like you're kind of not up. being watched yeah because then i'll be watching people's body language and think oh no yeah that's bad was that bad was that pathetic and then they're like what are you talking about like, i don't know i was trying to re- <laughs> i was trying to read you and i did it wrong <laughs> so that blanket was a lifesaver <laughs> um was there uh, more than the six songs that you went in with? Yes. Well, it was weird because I wanted to... I probably had enough where I could have done a full album. But it was a conversation between financing it, some time, like how, how, how long in the studio we would have. And I think going into it, because I've just had such... Um, I feel like I haven't had a lot of success in the studio setting that like I did that single with Sasha a few years ago Mm -hmm. and that was to be like, okay, I'm not totally terrified by 
I can enjoy this process. And then I think I gave myself the next step was like an EP. And then realized when we got into there's like six songs is an odd length EP. Like it's just a little bit away from being a full album and maybe one or songs, two songs longer than yeah. some EPs. But uh, I probably could have pushed for it. But just between the resources to do it and the amount of boldness and energy any one person has, I felt like it was an ambitious but realistic goal for me that had I that I was like, I'm gonna do this finally. Cause I just kept punting it and I'm like, so I'm gonna give myself something that's ambitious, but it's not gonna be something that it's gonna be easy for me to go. It's too big, I'm done. Cause I was self-funding through, I mean not, I guess support through Patreon and then like my side hustle re- resale online yeah. thing where I didn't, I knew, yeah. There was no Kickstarter or anything, so I'm like, I'm gonna be doing this, and I'm gonna feel it, but I want it to be. Uh, yeah, I think that's nice. It's another way to like relieve yourself of some of that pressure, hopefully too, of just mm-hmm. being able to. Like, All right, we're just gonna do these six songs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a nice, it's a nice length of something too for mm-hmm. a first release for people to just like really dig into these six songs mm-hmm. and they can just keep playing those over and over mm-hmm. and you have some other songs that maybe you're ready to go into the studio oh yeah exactly Still. like i'm planning on doing it again like i've had to tell myself that during this whole time of recording the process of the mixing and mastering and learning how to how complicated the vinyl production is and then met with you and a few other friends to talk about promotion, press release, and what's the have to stuff and what's the stuff you just you get to be particular about. Um, it's a lot of work and I want it to be wonderful. And I also want to make sure that I don't forget like you're planning to do this again. Yeah, it's not a one and done. Exactly. Type thing. So there's times where I'm like, oh, I didn't do it like this, or I should have done more songs, or I should have done blah blah blah. It's like Isabel remember you're gonna do it again so if it didn't work out now like just do do it on the next one like okay cool 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 yeah but i have to remind myself that often for sure um did these this collection of tunes did you feel like these these songs just all kind of needed to be together yeah there were a couple more that i'd a few more that i had sent to ryan originally but all the ones i had sent to him feel like oh it sounds so cliche but uh I feel the same but a totally different person like I'm still the Isabeau that my mom and dad knew growing up so I I don't it's not a dismissal of my younger self or where I've come from but this like breaking open has felt very it's been very terrifying, honestly, the last how I'm, however many years. I don't know like a, what specific point it started. Um, and it makes sense that my songs were reflecting it because that's how it's been my entire life is things I didn't know how to communicate in spoken form make their way usually out into my songs. Um, but a lot of it is uh, the obvious, the growing older. Um, the kind of uh, lament of 
maybe how long it took to get to some of these new realizations. Because some of them, the delay of it brought a lot of pain, um, or at least confusion, because it meant that I had a lot of life beforehand operating in a different way of thinking. And then when you turn a different direction, all those other things start to get really confusing. Um, deconstruction, uh, addressing those things that come up like trauma and anger and yeah so all these songs feel like Isabeau uh, the late bloomer <laughs> <laughs> and kind of cr creating this uh, this better metric for yourself nice yeah. I get nervous that I use metric too often in my conversations like and that it's going to be like people I've told you this before like when you're starting a set and you say, hey, this song is about like um, really big TVs in library conference rooms. That we're okay. about to get kicked out of. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Oh, she's around recording. And then you're like, <laughs> one, two, three, large TVs <laughs> in the bed. Where it's like the first line, you're like, oh, that plug was just so blatant, so obvious. But, but yes, it is a better metric. And that even feels pretty like um, ambitious for me to say that even with my personality type, because a better metric assumes that, um, it like postures myself as saying that I actually think I have a, a better, <laughs> a better way of viewing my world now, which for me is a little scary to say because I don't mean that as a, a put down to previous ways of perceiving people in the world and yeah. life. Um, but it, but at the same time, it is it is meant to be confident and be like I've done some digging. Yeah, and um, yeah. I think that that's a good thing to strive <laughs> for is to like you know for it to be a continuous like evolving thing that metric mm -hmm. and like hoping that you can continue to create a better one. And yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. Hopefully things aren't staying the same and. Mm -hmm. Like the things that I know now, I mean, it's very, I think we've heard everyone say this, but I just know now what I don't know more clearly. So my set of values, what matters, what is true to me, those, some of those have been, are consistent with what I grew up with. It's not like I tossed everything out. I think that's what yeah. I would be worried that, especially with my community and family that I've grown up with and in this isn't a a like crumpling up of all things and setting it afire it's like I sifted and sifted and sifted and some of those things after being examined still hold true I'm like that's beautiful I'm sticking with that and then yeah. some other things fell through and I'm like ooh that hurts for sure because <laughs> a lot of was hinged on those things so yeah, the songs feel bright and gloomy because of that. They're very hopeful to me because life has become a new kind of clear and and they're, I don't know. But it it's like a celebration and a funeral. I feel like these songs. Weddings and funerals at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't know. I think I'm... That's what I always get from your music, that there's like a lot of weight to it, but usually there's this hopeful aspect mm -hmm. to it as well. And 
I just think the way it was captured here is is very cool because I've gotten to see you play live so much. So to get to to hear it on a record with the with a band and mm -hmm. things getting a little gritty with like better metric and stuff towards the end where you're just like really digging in and letting it fly. It's just very cool. Thank you. I wanted to scream, scream. That was actually <laughs> one of the things I practiced in my studio kid, time yeah. with, uh, it is. And I think I even I framed it like that too, Ryan. I'm like, please don't laugh at this. But everything in me wants to just like scream, not shout. Yeah. Scream. And even though that didn't stick in the song, it didn't feel right. I was just so proud of myself for even if it was just a short little suggestion, I would have never done that years ago. Out of pure fear that I would sound like I'm trying to recreate like some emo days. But I'm, maybe a part of it's like valuing what I've come out of and like, I think someone needs to scream here. Yeah. I want it to, and it, and it would be enough if I wanted there to be screaming. That's what's new. For sure. Before I'm like, if it's gonna be dumb, I don't wanna put it in. I'm like, wait a minute. These are my songs. Do I like this? Do I like it? Do I want to hear someone screaming like, yes? And then it didn't really fit. Yeah. Well, I'm stoked that you're, you're stoked about it. Thank you. Because it's yeah. very good. I'm stoked that there are people like you who have been around listening to the songs that if you do get stoked or excited about it, it matters and it means a lot more because it's not just like this random fly-in where someone's like, oh, that sounded kind of good, but you've heard them yeah. in all their different iterations and to still be excited, like to have not worn you guys all down yet is a great accomplishment on my part. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I was so excited to get to listen to this music because I've been wanting to hear some recorded music since I saw you play at that open mic. That <laughs> cold feckin'. That cold, that cold night at the feckin'. So it's it's great to get to hear something that you're super proud of and and something that I do think captures the energy of your live show, even though this is, you know, a lot of this stuff has a band behind it. Mm -hmm. And but I think it captures like the same emotion. Good. And feels very powerful. Good. And uh, yeah, you're you're my favorite singer songwriter, like around these parts for sure. Thank you, Dan Cable. I mean, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't know. I I felt uh, very honored that you invited me to go hang out with the that group of fine women that you uh, invited me to come hang out with that night to just like discuss your album release. Like all of these women that I respect so much. Like Vaughn is one of my favorite people in the city and like one of my favorite artists and she's amazing. And uh Diana is new yeah. to me, but she seems like she's pretty kick -ass. a very, very cool person. But just that you um like even if that was just you and I would have been so stoked that you just invited me to to talk about that stuff and discuss it just because mm -hmm. I do have so much respect for what you're doing and I do believe in it quite a bit so and it's definitely I don't know your tunes uh your tunes definitely move me every time I see you play so thank you it's a it's a powerful thing it felt pretty just you know it was like a non what's the word let's sit here for 10 minutes while I remember this word 
Not really, because they'll kick <laughs> us out of the library. I'm so impressed that a librarian hasn't been like, um, excuse me. Yeah, right. Get out of this place. Well, like, Asha, we're doing pretty good. Just kidding. Minutes. Yeah, we they're got, good. We got like a warning, kind of. They're good. And honestly, the woman that was helping us, she seemed pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is amazing. <laughs> See, they have to check out and everything. Yep. We have plenty of time. She's putting chairs in. She's shutting down laptops, making sure no one was watching porn in the library. <laughs> um, <laughs> it felt like a no-brainer. That's what I meant to say, to ask you. And I think that I, I had been, I've been doing music for as long as I can remember. Like even when I was in, first moved to Portland and I was, in school and then teaching. I've always, not just the online stuff, but playing the most random spots, creating my own shows because I knew I wasn't playing out enough to get on bills. So it's any spot, coffee shop, anything that looked like it could host music, I'd find ways to go and play it. They weren't always ideal and they were always so much work because I was basically bringing everything and creating these shows because they weren't used to hosting music. So I've been doing it for so long, but when I started doing open mics again, it was a tough thing to be getting into it but feeling didn't feel like anyone didn't feel like anyone was taking me seriously so I felt like I was starting from the very very bottom but I had been spending my whole life making this thing where I'm like I'm not I didn't just start writing songs yesterday but I understand that no one knows me so I'm gonna have to give them time to like make their decision about me so to have someone early on make a decision about me that was in my favor. And then to genuinely, like over time, show up. When the, the this project started to unfold, it was like a no brainer. I'm like, I would be stoked if Dan would be like happy about this. And I didn't even assume at that point <laughs> that you were gonna love it. It was just like, if he did, and he would then, yeah. how cool that the people who actually believed me could still believe in me now. What do you know? <laughs> well, very stoked to be on that list of people. And waiting for her to get kicked out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we're going to play it out with Woman. Yeah. Which is such a killer track. And um, I'm super stoked to have gotten to sit down and chat with you once again. And thank you, Dan. Definitely someone that I always enjoy running out into, out and about. Um, you have to say the tagline for the show, which is it's a program, so we can properly end this thing. It's a program? It's a program. Okay. It sounds like it's a pilgrim. It's a pilgrim. It's not Look, a pilgrim. Father, it's a pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Can I just do it now? Yeah, do you now. can do it whenever you'd like to. Um, okay. It's a program. You, I said it wrong. You can do it again. It's a program. You nailed it. See? You nailed it the second time. Sometimes the first take isn't the, the right one. Yeah, sometimes it's Whoa. the third. It's a program. Whoa. Take that one. Whoa. We can take Better. them all. <laughs> We're going to keep them all. It's going to be up to Mountaineer Mike, whatever one he puts at, at the very end for the Easter egg. But uh, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, follow along with what you're doing. And I would definitely encourage people to check out your record and go see a live show and check out all those... Uh, videos on the on the old YouTube maybe sign up for the to become a patron yeah. of yours and get to you know 
be a part of all that. And uh, that is the Jelly Jams. That is the Jelly Jams. That is the Jelly Jams. We're playing it out with Woman off the Better Metric EP. And uh, we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Thank you, Oregon City Library. (laughs) We went over our time, and we will now leave. It's a pilgrim. It's not a pilgrim. It's a pilgrim. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a program. Whoa. It's a program. Whoa. Take that one. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs>